The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check with Draymond Green set to return to the team today. We will have the final word on this incident to what I call Scufflegate. And we will have a little news as well from around the league. We are also going to break down 10 players you're probably not talking about. I made sure that this was under the radar. I made sure if there are players that are above board, maybe there's a couple, but these are all under the radar that are set to surprise this year. I can't tell you how happy I am that basketball is back. I'm betting the preseason, and I am winning money. Tell you what. Let's drop that motherfucking beat. Okay, it's happening. Draymond Green was on Walkabout. Was he low-key suspended? Was it all his choice? Steve Kerr said that it was mutual. Anytime someone says something's mutual, it's really they decided. You know what I mean? Or that you know, one party really decided. Draymond Green makes his debut tonight in the preseason for Golden State after being away from the team for seven days, receiving a fine of an unspecified amount. People in Jordan Poole's camp are saying that it could be roughly a fine worth around, checks notes, $60 million. Because a guy who's already stressed out about how much money he's making and the, the contract and is worried about money, probably not a fun scenario. So he's back with the team after what probably is got to be his worst week of his NBA career and definitely the worst week of the Golden State Warriors' tenure as a dynasty. Probably Steve Kerr's coaching career as well. He even hinted at this being just one of the most tumultuous moments of the entire Warriors' dynasty run. Very sad presser. Very bad week for Dre from the second that the video dropped. Pretty much changed the narrative on everything. 
Dre immediately held a press conference where he said that he was stepping away from the team on his own volition, which we now know, according to Steve Kerr, not exactly true. Not exactly accurate, as they say. In the presser, Draymond spent about 11 minutes talking about why he was stepping away from the team, why uh, he punched Jordan Poole, kind of some context about things that were going on in his personal life, that he was very sorry. He also made it very clear that his reason for coming at Poole had nothing to do with the fact, and people were speculating this, that Draymond Green was mad that Jordan Poole was about to get paid a lot of money. Here's what he had to say. On on a night where it should be um, celebration and love, and it still will be, um, but there is like this 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 dark cloud in the room, and I caused that, you know. So I I apologize to to his family uh, and just what they've had to deal with over the course of the last twenty four to forty eight hours, and. I will do what I have to do to make that right. Uh, to my family, you know, the, the things that they have, they've had to deal with. I know, you know, my, my wife is, um, you know, she's getting comments like he, he'll beat you at home and stuff like that, you know, as if, um, you know, that's the case. And so I apologize to my family as well for, for what they had to go through. And then most importantly, um, my brothers on this team who I've had apologized, who I've apologized to already, but, um, for me, that is the task at hand to, to rebuild, um, trust in our locker room, pull everything back together as it need to be pulled together in order to compete and, and defend a championship. And, and although that is the least of my worries right now, it has to stay at the forefront. He, he basically said he wasn't going to count the other people's money in their pockets, but I think that's fair. I think Draymond Green deciding to say, uh, hey, I'm going through things right now. I'm going through things, and that's changing how I react to every circumstance. And from what I understand, what Draymond is going through is rough. Um, and something that, as contracts loom over both of Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, and all of the things that are going on in his own personal life, just a bad situation in a bad set uh, of circumstances where now you've got to rebuild trust with your team. Uh, and now you've got to try to get back to a place where this team wants to pay you. And that's tough. Because if you're having any issues personally that make it harder for a team to pay you, uh, you got to get that sorted out. Steve Kerr then followed with his own presser. And man, for a guy who's seemingly very open, very jovial, very honest, Steve Kerr wanted none of that. Steve Kerr wanted to answer no questions. He wanted to say absolutely nothing. He was not interested in the least in discussing what happened, what they're going to do. He was extremely cagey about giving support to Draymond or even admonishing Draymond. He was pretty much trying to close it all down. Um... Everything is internal. So uh, my answer to that is um, we've had those discussions uh, with individuals, with the team, and those discussions will stay private um, as long as nobody leaks those conversations. He's already talking about leaks. Draymond indicated that he is not going to be with the team for a while. Is that his choice or is that a team choice? Mutual, mutual decision based on everything that's happened and discussions uh, 
you know, behind the scenes. You guys have been with, through stuff with Raymond before. You get to the point where you, is, is trust in any way compromised already? Or is, are you nearing that? Or where are you with that? No comment. Ah, that's the part for me, the no comment. If we had to add up all of the times in Steve Kerr's career as a head coach where he has said no comment, I think the number, the tally is, uh, check, I think one. I think that one right there. I don't think he's ever said no comment in the history of being a head coach. To my memory, very rarely. Let's keep going really quick. You talked last time about how good the practice was. Um, is that you, are you getting the same energy that did that continue today? Yeah, we had a good practice today. Um, you know, nothing live. We got a game tomorrow, so um, we got some some good work in skill work and um, you know conceptual stuff, and um, ready to go for tomorrow. I don't know if this this is an internal question or not, but. Just, is, is the team at all in any sort of like having to get through stuff in any phase, any, you know, state of shock? I'm sure it's different for each player, but are you sensing that this is something the team is still going through? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, this is, um, this is why it's so crucial uh, to keep things in house. Um, you know, I've been in this league for 30 plus years. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, as soon as things are leaked, um, you know, now um, all hell breaks loose. No shit, Steve. All hell did break loose. We all want to know what's going to happen next. Uh, Draymond, though, now is back with the team. He's got some bridges to build. Kevon Looney said this. But ultimately to me, and this is where I fall on it, Steph is going to be Draymond's biggest advocate, Steph and Clay. They've got big-time trust in Draymond Green, and it's very hard to imagine, very hard to imagine that this team is better without him. But I think that this is the biggest adversity that the team has ever faced in its dynastic run. Very, very bad was the Kevin Durant-Draymond thing because Kevin Durant ultimately left, and we can say probably that had a big factor to it, but this is even worse. And I hate to break it to people who say just get rid of Draymond, and this team is better without Draymond. They are not. They are not better without Draymond. They are not okay without Draymond. They are not a championship caliber team without Draymond Green. Steph would face an immense amount of double teams without Draymond Green. You've got Klay Thompson who would face an immense amount of double teams without Draymond Green. They would not be able to get loose or get busy the same way that they do without him being able to see the floor, read the defenses, and be an elite passer that he is. And also, defensively, who do you have on this team that can guard one through five? On the perimeter, inside, be a small ball five who can play against legit centers? Who? Outside of last playoffs, Draymond Green has been elite. So stop the noise with Draymond Green being washed. Stop the noise with Draymond Green not being a valuable piece of this championship team. I would say, if you look at the statistics and you look at the wins and losses without Clay, without Draymond, Draymond is more important to this team than Clay, hands down. If you want to pay one, and this is outside of this nonsense, outside of this scuffle, if you were going to pay one, Clay coming up on his new contract, where he's at offensively, defensively, and what you have in Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, you pay Draymond Green over, over Clay. Clay, I'm sorry, you already got your bag. You sat out two years, uh, never played a game. And so now you make the vet minimum. And I think he would say yes to that. 
So ultimately, I think Draymond is more important than Klay Thompson, and that is probably seen as a very hot take. And I mean where Klay is right now, not the Klay that we had prior to those injuries. That's a totally different story. Nobody knows where he's supposed to be at on the court more than Draymond. He's elite at spacing. He drags the other team's bigs out. He screws up their spacing big time. His passing, like I said earlier, is on another level. People gush over Ben Simmons and his ability to pass. But Draymond Green, I think he's better in terms of IQ, passing the ball, knowing where defenses are supposed to be. Over a 10-game stretch, I looked this up, Draymond Green had over 100 assists and 22 turnovers. Over 100 assists in 10 games. That is ridiculous for a big man. That is not a point guard. He has more he has more assists than Steph Curry night to night. People joke about Draymond being a triple single. That, my friends, is what makes him a Hall of Famer. Nine, nine, and nine. I don't care how many points he scores. Steph Curry goes insane. Klay Thompson can go insane points-wise. Jordan Poole can go insane. Hell, you've got other people who can pick it up on a night-to-night basis. I don't need Draymond Green to score. What I need is his rebounds, his assists, and his ability to defend. And he changed the NBA because of him, the way that we play the forward position, the way that we see small ball fives. There is a reason that guys like Zion and Ben Simmons think that they can be a point forward, right? And, and then on top of that, two points to make about all of it. One, the Warriors need Draymond because the offense doesn't function without him, right? They were 21-17, and 17, 50, 552 winning percentage without Draymond Green last year. And with him, 32-12. and 12. That's a seven, 73% winning percentage with him, 55% winning percentage without him. I'd say that's pretty damn impactful. And on top of that, when Draymond was off the court with the injuries, Clay, Clay Thompson was playing. When Draymond was on the court prior to his injury, Clay Thompson was not. So that'll tell you who's more impactful to winning on this team right now. Two, yes, the punch was awful. I think it was totally uh, incomprehensible. We can't defend it in any way, but what we can say is this. We have to keep in mind where Draymond Green comes from. Saginaw, Michigan. Very tough neighborhood, very tough upbringing. Someone puts their hands on you, which Jordan Poole did. If you're in a bad spot and you're going through something and your patience is shortened, no excuse But you push me, I hit you in the face. Sorry, that's the way it goes. And in extreme stress, you revert back to where you came from. You revert back to the tendencies that you've worked so hard to do fit therapy or, you know, just personal development to work out of you. So the Warriors are in turmoil right now. Do I think they're going to be fine? I do. Uh, But they need to figure out how to put this all behind them. No matter what, there are going to be questions moving forward. There's going to be a lot of media buzz about Draymond Green. Every photo, every video of Draymond next to Jordan Poole is going to be scrutinized. That is going to be a thing. Are they going to yell at each other on the bench? How is that going to be perceived? And I don't see the Draymond Green and the Warriors as the biggest story moving forward in the NBA season. I did not see that, but here we are. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Couple other stories, though, from around the league before we get into our top 10. This one's interesting to me. Uh, Did you know that the Denver Nuggets mascot makes $625,000 per year? How? What has he done? Who does he know? Is that shocking? Is anyone else shocked by that? His name is Rocky. Rocky the Mountain Lion. If you didn't know that. Join the club. Join the club because I didn't know that. I didn't know that that mascots had full-out names. I didn't know that they made that kind of money. Harry the Hawk from Atlanta makes $600,000. Benny the Bull gets $400,000. And shockingly, Phoenix, the Phoenix Gorilla, he's getting absolutely shortchanged. $200,000 for Phoenix the Gorilla. I tell you what, those stucco homes, the cost of living, parking spots everywhere, gro- grocery bills down to the floor because Mexico is just a quick jaunt away. Avocados are like 25 cents per avocado in Phoenix. They are still shortchanging my man Phoenix the Phoenix Gorilla. He doesn't even have a name. Phoenix Gorilla? We got Harry. We got Benny, we got Rocky, and then what we got? Just Phoenix, Phoenix Gorilla. Hugo the Hornet? These are fake names. Make $100,000, which is what you would expect when uh, Michael Jordan owns that team. Just cheap shit, but I digress. Considering that the NBA league minimum is $1.1 million, Rocky actually makes more than an NBA player will make on a two-way contract, which is insane. That's absolutely insane. Here is a list that, of players that made less than Rocky last year. Moses Brown, Quindary Witherspoon, Dwayne Washington Jr. <laughs> Man, my bad. Chris Chioza. I know Dwayne's dad, he's, if he's listening, shout out to him. Chris Chioza, A.J. Lawson. Imagine being Isaiah Thomas. Goes 5 for 9 for 15 points in 13 minutes and knowing that the costume guy with the t-shirt cannon and the sick moves where he's, you know, doing shaking and Harlem shaking. He makes 20% more than you. You're looking at him and you're like, that guy makes more than me? Shit. It's rough out here on these streets. Good for Rocky. Must be related to one of the owners. Have to be. To pull down a contract of almost a million dollars a year. That is a shitload of money. I'm not saying you can dance, you can entertain. Entertainment's what this whole thing is. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. But I, I want everyone to get a paycheck. Isaiah Thomas should get paid if Rocky's getting paid. That's facts. Let's move forward. Let's take a quick look at what's been going on in Chicago. Of course, we've been talking about Lonzo Ball. 
He's nowhere near his return to the Bulls. The Bulls are going to be in shambles. They are going to be a dumpster fire this year. They're not even going to be that fun. But the lost in the Lonzo news is that this preseason, Patrick Williams, the Bulls' number four pick in 2020, and the guy that they've been saying for two years is untouchable, the guy that they want to build around to the point where multiple trades were shot down because they didn't, they wanted to include Patrick Williams in the deal, has now been benched for Javante Green, a 29-year-old journeyman who has spent more time playing in Europe than he has in the NBA, and he has never averaged more than 7.2 points per game. And guess what? As one Bulls blog point out, this isn't nothing. This is something, indeed. This is something to keep our eyes on, especially considering how far the franchise has gone out of its way to pitch them to us as a cornerstone piece of their franchise moving forward where he should be the guy. What happened? Well, Billy Donovan was pretty blunt. This team's better with Javante than they are with Patrick Williams. Yikes. Yikes. And Patrick Williams, keep in mind, benched himself in college. He did. He said, hey, coach, I'll come off the bench. I'll be the sixth man. I don't need to be a starter. Let's just win games. And that's very cute in college basketball. That's not cute when we're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about franchise-altering pieces. We're talking about trades getting shot down because of you. We're not shooting down trades for a sixth man. I'm sorry. You need to be our second man. One of the nicest guys. I think he will help someone a lot. I do think this means he could be on his way out. And... When he was such a high-value trade piece, what is he now? We will have to see. Our big one question in this episode, though, we move forward, is this hypothetical. Who would be off-limits in a trade for Victor Wambanyama? I was thinking about this. Because there's not that many names, folks. He is a generational talent. So my question to you is who is on your no-trade list for him? My list is shockingly short. I went through it. I looked at all the All-Stars for the last three years and just decided yes, no, yes, no. So here are my no's because the list of yeses is too long for me to give it to you. That's where we're at. The list of no's. Luca, No. LeBron James? No. John Morant? No. Embiid? No. But it's a it's a pause. I have to pause. Giannis? No. Steph? No. Kawhi? It's a pause. No. He's been injured a lot, guys. Kevin Durant? No. Jason Tatum? It's a pause. But it's a no. It's a pause. Aunt Edwards, and maybe no one else, and maybe no one else. That includes Dame Lillard. You're gone, sir. I'm sorry. Oh, Jokic? Jokic is a no. I wouldn't trade Jokic either. Devin Booker? See you later. Enjoy wherever you're going. And I love Devin Booker. He's one of my... Paul George? Absolutely. See you later. Pack your bags. I mean, the list is like 10 guys, and it's really not close. Rudy Gobert, deuces. Donovan Mitchell, get your bags and go.
I mean, that's just absolutely bonkers. Bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Would love for you guys to sound off in the comments, get into TikTok, get into my Twitter, and let me know. All right, let's move forward to the big segment. Because I was thinking about this. Sitting around thinking about my favorite topic, basketball. When it occurred to me, I wanted to make a couple of lists. Because everybody likes lists. And I like to be right. We like to make predictions. And I wanted to think about players that were not being discussed enough as maybe guys that will be highlight machines or people you should watch could make a big jump Definitely could make an impact on their team. And after some work, I narrowed the list down to 10 players, all whom, mostly not rookies, who I will be keeping an eye out for this year. Let's start 10 10 players, 10 players. Let's start in San Antonio. I could do an entire segment on San Antonio alone, which is just crazy. This is the most non-competitive San Antonio has been in over a decade and the most compelling that they've been. What does that say? (laughs) Like, what does that say? Like, I am the most interested in San Antonio I've ever been in my entire life. And they're not even close to competing for a play-in spot. But that's where they're at. I, I don't know what that says about them. Or what that says about this team. But I'm fully in. I am fully intrigued. They're literally on my top eight teams to watch. San Antonio. I made a list today. Top eight teams. They're all teams that no one cares about. But I do. Number one on the San Antonio list. Josh Primo. People came after the San Antonio Spurs. Including me. Including myself. It was a head scratcher. There were so many guys on the list they could have taken with the 12th pick. They take Josh Primo, the youngest player in the draft out of Alabama. And a lot of draft experts claim that it was a stretch. What are they doing? Some saying you you drafted 20 slots too early for him. And guess what? Greg Popovich, he may be checked out during all the Olympic cycles, but damn, does him and R.C. Buford know talent. And they are building something fun down in San Antonio. And I've got my eye on the Spurs, like I said. They're going to be bricking for Vicken. That doesn't make sense. But along the way, I think they're going to win games against older, dustier, t- more tired teams on back-to-backs because these kids are all like 18 through 21 years old. And they don't care. They're just trying to get buckets, trying to get reps. And Josh Primo, when he gets healthy, because he just uh, had an MCL sprain, kept him out for part of preseason, He's going to be a center of this offense. He had like 33 minutes a game last year. So in his second year, I think he's going to be very fun. Jerry West loves him, and that's just a key piece for me to keep my eye on. Anybody who unsolicited Jerry West says to keep my eye on, I listen. I just It's just like a life lesson for me. I think he's going to be very polished. Definitely top of my list in terms of players that could break out this year. Number two, Jaden Hardy out of the G League Ignite playing for the Dallas Mavericks, people are mad. Sacramento Kings fans feel like they have been cheated, that he should be a king, but nobody had more of a disappointing draft ramp up than Jaden Hardy. It's more about the dumb draft process because he was supposed to be a lottery pick and then he goes to the G League Ignite and then he slips and then no one likes him anymore. 
And now we take Shaden Sharp, which no one knows anything about, and he hasn't played in two years, but because we haven't seen any film on him, he's better than Jaden Hardy by a full round and then some. People are dumb. People are very dumb. Who would have seen that coming? I don't know. People think, though, that the G League is all 18 and 19 years old players, but there's guys in their late 20s with a decade of pro ball underneath them, eat them. Some of them they played in the NBA. Some of them have played overseas in Europe, and they're trying to find a way back into the real association. But there is no gimmies down there, and folks are hitting you hard, and they're grown-ass men. And, yes, Jaden Hardy struggled. Of course he did. He's a baby. He's a baby playing amongst men. Of course. Guess what? In the final third of the G League, he balled out. Ended up averaging nearly 18 points a game, but all anyone could do was talk about, oh, Jaden Hardy can't shoot. Oh, he can't shoot. 27% from three. Oh, he's gross. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. But there's room for improvement, and anyone who shoots 88% from the free throw line probably can shoot uh, a three-pointer. Just at some point, I think that that should translate. I think the Mavs absolutely got to steal him on him at 37. Wow. So do they. This team, very high on him in the preseason. No one did less in the offseason to address their glaring holes in the Mavs. We talked about that. We said that the Mavs are one piece away. Maybe that piece is Jaden Hardy. If Hardy can be the guy here, this team is going to prosper. By the way, for his dismal 27% from three, uh, in the preseason, he shot four for ten. What's that math? Do that quick math for me. Oh, yeah, 40%. 8 for 16 from the field in the Mavs preseason opener. I think he could be a sleeper in the all-rookie team. Woo! He's going to be fun. He is a bucket. Alperin Shangun. Another player people don't know. Another player people aren't asking about. Rockets number 15 pick last year. They liked him so much they traded two future firsts just to move up and grab him. He was the Turkish League MVP. We knew he could play. He did not disappoint. He showed great flashes. But let's be honest, this team was going to lose games on purpose. It did not matter. They were trying to hide him. They were not trying to develop him. They wanted to get, I don't know, Paolo Bencaro, which they thought they were going to get, and they did not get. Of course, like most big big men, he struggled with fouls. Most, Like most Euros, he had trouble defensively down on the blocks. But if he can pass, which he can, he has a nice shot. I think by the end of the year, he played much better, 13-8-4. Pretty much the kind of improvement that you want to see in a rookie, especially a big man. And he looked like he was able to compete with grown men down low, which is exactly what you want to see in the last quarter of the season. Despite this, as like this dream shake, a cool Rockets blog recently pointed out, Rockets fans are split on him. Uh, Some want to build around him. And some people think he's a liability who can't shoot threes, and thus he is expendable. But I actually like Shangun. I think he could be a good piece. He can pass like Jokic. Of course, he needs to improve his perimeter shooting. But I think he can distribute as well as almost anyone else that's his size and his age. And I think if he can improve on defense, which is all about want to, I think he could be a very valuable piece. I mean, they're a very long way away from competing. So let's be honest. He's got a long ramp-up period, but I think he will show flashes, and I want to see him improve alongside Jalen Green and alongside uh, Kevin Porter Jr. James Wiseman. I know this is a chalky one, but let's be honest. He has not been playing NBA basketball for almost two years now. Number one question for this team has always been at center. That's why they went and drafted him. It's been a revolving door. Uh, I don't even know if you remember these names. David Lee, Andrew Bogut, 
DeMarcus Cousins was there. Uh, JaVale McGee was there. Zaza Pachulia. Shout out to Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> of course, Draymond ran small five. It's like, let's be honest, Steve Kerr treats centers like Kyle Shanahan treats his running backs. Like they are expendable. Completely interchangeable. He treats his centers kind of like NBA players treat girlfriends. Completely interchangeable. Warriors Dynasty has never had their franchise center, right? And this is what they hope to have in Wiseman. So this is what I saw. I saw him at Summer League. He looks huge. He looks really ripped. Buff. You look at him and you're like, this kid had no muscles last year. And all of a sudden, he is ripping out of his jersey. They're saying, I talked to someone within the Warriors organization. They're like, he's just been spending all day, all night in the gym, just lifting weights, lifting weights. And for a long time, he couldn't do anything with his lower body. So he's just been lifting upper. Just his upper body is just swole right now. And listen, there's articles that he's been in therapy uh, and has gotten a lot more centered. Fortunately, he's apparently at peace with himself. Steve Kerr mentioned that he's been spending all of his time outside of the weight room. He's been in the film room looking at not only centers in the league, his old film uh, at Memphis and some of his film from Golden State, old film on old centers, current centers in the league that he can emulate. And I think that's been the main piece that he could get better at. He was like a little baby deer in headlights, skinny, gangly, couldn't find his own limbs and feet, couldn't catch, couldn't see what was going on. So like now he's filled out his body. He sort of has a real uh, feeling for the game just because he's been in the film room. So I think if Golden State can use him in a way and he's comfortable developing at his own pace, I think they could even be even more dangerous. Like, just imagine Steph Curry with a real center. He's never had one before. Like, imagine a legit lob threat for Steph Curry. Just all of a sudden, or Draymond Green throwing lobs to James Wiseman with no one there to defend him because, I don't know, they're on Draymond Green. If Wiseman can actually stay healthy, and he has actually improved in terms of his IQ, this team could be insane. And he's fun, even when he's playing poorly, because like I said, when you watch a deer in headlights that's that big, it's very fun as well. Like you're seeing things you've never seen on an NBA floor. So very entertaining. Definitely a player to keep our eyes on. My favorite one, so this list is not in any particular order, is Shaden Sharp. Oh my God. Basketball porn is Shaden Sharp film. Portland could have gone and got Jeremy Sohan, which we'll talk about a little bit later, a defender who can play all five positions and defend all positions. They could have gotten someone like Dyson Daniels, who's like a little baby Scotty Barnes. But no, they decided to get a guy who had the biggest upside in Shaden Sharp. And you know what? I was very skeptical. I hadn't seen a lick of basketball from him ever. I've never seen it. Just never existed. Didn't even play any minutes at Kentucky. He just went there, sat there, and left. So I I was very sus on this draft. Partly because I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan, and I think all bad things are going to happen to us because they've always happened to us. But holy shit, I've seen a few games, and I am all the way in. I am so damn invested. So I don't want to mush it, so shh, don't tell anyone. Shaden Sharp's going to be our Kobe Bryant. He's 6'6". He's so smooth. He's absolutely balled out in the preseason. And it's not really the stat line that I'm into. It's like he's 18. He's 6'6", with a 7-feet wingspan. He's got elite footwork. He can 
block shots. He has a feel for the ball, knows where it's going to be at all times. Of course he's a freak athlete, but also effortless at his size at getting to the rim. Touch around the rim that's soft. Pull up off the dribble jumpers, easy. Shooting deep, easy. Like catch and shoot, easy. Everything for Shaden Sharp seems to come just absolutely effortless. And there were people from Portland, haters, said that his head was spinning in his first NBA preseason game. What do you think? We've seen no Shaden Sharp. He's been injured. He got injured in the first eight minutes of Summer League, his first preseason game, his first competitive basketball. His head is spinning. Game's a little fast for him. Shut the fuck up. How about that? Now, change fast. He's absolutely balling. And part of me hopes, part of me secretly hopes that Portland is a terrible team because I want Victor Wambanyama too. And secondly, because Shaden Sharp's going to get huge minutes if Portland shuts everybody down. Worst case, First man off the bench and a closer down the stretch. He is going to be electric to watch. I want to see Chauncey use him as much as humanly possible. Number six is Obi Toppin. Ain't no stopping Obi Toppin, they say. I don't think Tibbs is even going to be able to stop Obi Toppin. I think this is a breakout year for him. He looks so good, like insanely good. Very intriguing. He's huge. His feel for the game has gotten so much better. He's added to his bag. I think he's going to be a major beneficiary of Jalen Brunson getting there as well. He can shoot threes now. This man is like a legit three-point shooter from his size. He is a better version of Julius Randle. Like, bye, Julius Randle. You can go. We'll move you somewhere else. He has a better attitude than Julius Randle. He has better ups than Julius Randle. And the fan base loses their mind for Obi Toppin, and they boo Julius. So let's let's just be serious. Tibbs needs to integrate him into the lineup, and he needs to use him, not off the bench, but as a starter. And fans need to be invested. So when you see these tomahawk dunks from Obi, like that's going to change the electric nature of the gym. Moods are bad, vibes are bad, tomahawk dunk, moods back up again. Now you can compete down the stretch. And also, Julius Randle, watch your back. You could be traded because Obi is here and he is here to stay. Another intriguing player that people are not talking about, OG Ananobi. Why aren't they talking about him? Well, because they don't run the offense through him at all in Toronto. They run it through Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam. And let's be honest, Pascal and Fred Van Fleet have a little love affair. They played in the G League together. They have a a real connection and they kind of ball, they kind of hog the ball. They don't give the ball to OG, and Nick Nurse isn't running any plays for OG. But let's be honest. If he can get better, and we know that he can, and we know Toronto wants him because everyone in the offseason wanted OG and Anobi. They were willing to give up anything. We were willing to give up Portland, the number seven overall draft pick for him, and some other pieces, and some other picks, and they were like, no, we're good. And that shows you what they think about him, right? We know that things that OG has done, I've got a little inside info. He's working with some people to get his body more fluid, his body more strong. Like, this is a man who hasn't really lifted a lot of weights in his entire career. Like, what does that say? That he's able to be a real deal NBA player, a fringe all-star, without doing the type of work that normal elite athletes do. That shows you that he's genetically a freak. If the game comes easier to OG, because he's very stiff, very upright, if he gets into a a proper place in terms of his conditioning, in terms of his rest, just all the protocols that make you an elite athlete, I think that he can be an all-star. 
He's already an elite defender. If he can put it together on the offensive side, and then that leads Nick Nurse to actually calling plays for OG, oh boy, oh boy, watch out in Toronto. Here's one no one's talking about, Poku. Yeah, I bet you never thought I would say Poku, did you? Alexi Pokashevsky. All season, all season, Oklahoma City fans, all season, NBA fans, you've been waiting to see him, right? That white string bean kid, seven feet tall, for OKC, Chet Holmgren. And now, Chet's gone for the season, but don't be sad. Oklahoma City still has another very, very skinny, very, very tall white boy who can dribble, who can pass, and who can shoot. And his name is Poku. Say it for me. Poku! Chet Light! He's basically Chet Light. Pretty damn good. In the preseason game, 15 points, 5 rebounds, and this is the best part. 10 assists. 10 assists for a 7-footer? That is absolutely bananas. There are not many men who are throwing no-look passes, especially ones that are 7 feet tall. Not many men getting 10 assists these days. The dude is 7 feet tall legit. Maybe the skinniest, lightest player in the NBA. They list him as 7 feet tall, 190 pounds. 190 pounds is like a fit 6 foot tall person. In an effort to bulk up, he said he's eating malts and burgers. Just all off-season long, just eating malts, burgers, malts, burgers. It's too bad, like, because Jokic is a Serbian as well, and he obviously does not struggle to gain weight. Like, he is a very fluffy Serbian. So watch out for Poku. I think he's going to have a breakout year. OKC is not going to win a lot of games because they don't want to, but I think Poku really makes a jump. I think he's the one player outside of Josh Giddy because you're already sort of looking for him. Josh Giddy's like, he's right there. Poku is on no one's radar except for hardcore Oklahoma City fans. And if OKC really decides to tank, think about this. Next year, you could possibly have Poku, Chet, and Wambanyama all on the same team. Three seven-footers who can dribble, who can shoot, and who can pass. Who stops them? Who stops them with Dort, Giddy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander? I don't know. This team could win a title in two years from now. My lord. Jeremy Sohan, number nine. God, I love the San Antonio team. I do. Jeremy Sohan. He missed the summer league due to COVID. But he did do a lot of shopping. I saw him shopping a lot. I saw him in like maybe Louis Vuitton or something. He had big bags. So he, COVID wasn't keeping him down. They just didn't want to play him any games. I saw him actually at the uh, at the Vidara. He had Shake Shack. He liked uh, he liked my my blazer. gave me gave me the eyes. Said what's up. He had his friend with him. I think he had Malachi Branham with him. Anyway, he skipped EuroBasket this year to concentrate on preparing for the NBA season. And the early reports are pretty good. Like, very good. How good? Uh, reports are that this dude, who is 6'9", is able currently to defend, as a rookie, all five positions. He is everywhere. His model? Draymond Green. And he looks like he might be a clone of Draymond, but he can actually shoot the ball better than Draymond. He has a 7-feet-plus wingspan, and everyone knows he can defend because of Baylor. Baylor was like one of the best defensive teams in all of college basketball last year. And Jeremy Sohan was a big part of that. There's a blog, a Spurs blog called Pounding the Rock. They did a nice little overview of his preseason activities. They said in his five and four in 17 minutes, he had so he had five and four in 17 minutes. That does not tell the whole story because he has a tireless motor, 
switching onto guards, battling in the post, chasing down fast breaks. And I think that is why Popovich wanted him. I think that is why they took him in the ninth overall pick. Add that to Malachi Branham, to Devin Vassell, to Blake Wesley, to Josh Primo. Like I said, this Spurs team is very, very intriguing. Number 10, Jose Grand Theft Alvarado. My man, Grand Theft Alvarado, he burst on the scene like a video game halfway through last season as an undrafted player, exploded into the playoffs, made life absolutely hell for Chris Paul and on Devin Booker. The Suns absolutely lucky to beat the New Orleans Pelicans. I think the New Orleans Pelicans, here's a little prediction, if the New Orleans Pelicans would have beaten the Suns, they would have also beaten the Mavs. Yeah. The Pelicans could have easily been in the Western Conference Finals last year. And honestly, I'm not going to say they would have, but they would have made life hell for the Warriors too. It would have not been a fun experience. He's not going to be sneaking up on anyone. He's not, he's like under the radar one level. He's not two levels like Poku or three levels. But then again, I don't think he's going to have to sneak up on people because he's going to still be off the bench. He showcased his defense, and this year I think he's going to show that he can score. In this preseason, that might be the best scoring guard. In, in this preseason, he might have been the best scoring guard in the league. He put up 28-5 and five on 12 for 18 shooting. And that is as a backup point guard. He didn't even start. Wow. This is what Zion said about my man Alvarado. Jose is hard to describe, but you just know he's going to bring that passion and energy to the game that you would want to see any from anybody. He knows how to make himself a threat. Don't let him fool y'all. He just had 28 points and how many rebounds? Five. And yeah, he's doing this off the bench. The most insane thing, he was nine for 12 on shots in the lane. He's my height. Well, he's six feet tall, but I don't think he's six feet tall. I've seen him in person. He's like 5'10", 5'11", soaking wet, probably 135 pounds. Like he is tiny. He is getting in there and getting buckets. Here's where I remind you he was undrafted. I think he's a, a quicker, better defensive version of Jalen Brunson, and that spells trouble for any opponents of the Pelicans who will get absolutely zero rest when he comes off the bench. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We did it in good time. We will be back, we will be back what, Monday? I don't even know. Monday, I think we have a live. Do we have a live Monday? We're working on it. Check out the feed for past episodes. From the offseason, follow us on the Heat Check as we get you ready for the 2022-2023 season that is approaching. We are less than a week away. And check out the Locked On NBA podcasts. I haven't checked them out yet to see what it's like, but I know that they are filled with insight because I saw the rundown, as I will be appearing on them as well all week. Do not forget to download. Do not forget to subscribe. And please tell all your friends. And follow us. Please follow us at this Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok. And if you troll me in my comment section, I swear to God, I'll come after you on video. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.